0: Come with me as we visit Taipei in Taiwan and find out if it's just good for business or if it's also great for tourists. Hello, I'm Gary Benbridge, and this is Tips for Travellers, the global travel destination podcast. My travel reviews and recommendations based on the first-hand experiences I gain from the up to two to three times a month I travel all over the world. To find out more, you can visit the website at tipsfortravelers.com or mytravelreviews.com where you'll find links, show notes, how to subscribe individual episodes, and many photo and video galleries. It's now time for this episode of Tips for Travellers. This was my first trip to Taiwan, a trip that when I heard I was going, I was very excited about, as... Although you hear bits and pieces about Taiwan as it drifts in and out of the news every now and then, I realised that other than a broad understanding of the history and its very tense relationship with China, I knew very little about what it was like as a country and what Taipei was going to be like as a capital city. I read before I went that it was originally called Formosa from the Portuguese word meaning beautiful. The Portuguese came across the 245-mile-long and 89-mile-wide island back in the 16th century and they were awed by the island's steep mountains covered with very green and very lush subtropical vegetation. In my mind, though, I imagine Taiwan today to be a bit like a mix of Hong Kong and Singapore. I knew that Taiwan was a very successful industrial country with a reputation for high-tech products like microchips and semiconductors. Not that I actually know what either of those do other than they're technical and are important at making computers work. So in my mind, I had a really strong view that Taipei would be like the big successes of the Far East, like Shanghai, Hong Kong and Singapore, and full of dazzlingly stylish and very modern skyscrapers. And it would be bright and full of neon and energy at night. On the flight there, though, it struck me that I had no actual reference for the image of what I imagined it was going to be like. The only image I had seen was that of the Taipei 101 building that I'd seen many times in my pre research on the internet. The image of this sleek and currently tallest building in the world had reinforced my mental image of what I expected, a city chock full of very tall buildings and for it to be a very modern city. It therefore took me a few days to overcome my disappointment at how functional and even dated and slightly run-down looking Taipei was. And only then did I come to really appreciate the city for what it was and and manage to uncover some of the energy and resolve that makes Taiwan what it is today, despite the constant threat it faces from China. Large parts of the city seem almost run-down and shabby, with very ordinary and uninspiring buildings crammed tightly together. It's only when you look closer that you realize that many of the shabby buildings are actually full of small boutiques, interesting new food concept stores and exciting restaurants. And I feel that this, is, this whole approach is typical of Taiwan and, and what makes it unique and what makes it different. Taiwanese people seem to be more interested in ideas and in making things happen now and today, while the forces behind other rapid and fast-growing cities like Shanghai are more driven by grand plan and in the showcase and prestige that modern glitzy buildings offer, bulldozing down the old to make way for the new. In Taipei, they seem to fill the old with the new. It also seemed to make sense to me as I thought about and read more about the history of the island It has a very strategic location, just 200 kilometers off the coast of China, lying south of Japan and north of the Philippines. And it seems to have basically been occupied or controlled in some form or fashion all of its life by an array of people. That includes the Portuguese, the Japanese, the Dutch and even the China Ming Dynasty. Now, its more recent history was driven by events just after the Second World War in 1949, when there was a civil war in China and the non-communist side called the KMT, the Kuomintang, which was led by Chiang Kai-shek was losing to the Communists, and so they fled from mainland China and established themselves in Taiwan, and a staggering 1.3 million people, who were mostly soldiers, KMT party members, and wealthy people from mainland China, fled and swamped the island. A military dictatorship was established under the KMT as the Republic of China, and in fact, during the cold war most western countries recognised taiwan as the official and the legitimate government of china this of course all changed as the major western powers soon started to court china now all of its recent life the country must have felt under threats which in fact it has been and so it seems that as establishing themselves and protecting themselves had a higher priority than grand designs and flashy buildings Functionality is the key, and this is what Taipei looks and feels like to me, but underneath all that is a very innovative and very creative population. They do have, of course, a big new showcase, that is Taipei 101, as I mentioned, currently the tallest building in the world, and one that I was really taken with and and think it is almost worth visiting the city for. It's built in a newly created part of town, which colleagues of mine from Taiwan say used to be an old military area or compound of some sort. It is this area that a massive, and I mean massive, conference and exhibition centre was built. Modern shopping, arcades, hotels, and the quite stunning Taipei 101. Now, we'll talk more about the building later in the tips when visiting. Other than here, there are not that many striking buildings, even old ones in Taipei, although there are a few very striking memorial halls in the museum, but but they are exceptions. Everything else is pretty functional. One thing I did find out is that it seems that Taiwan and Taipei is not really on the tourist circuit and it's not really geared very much for tourists and has a surprisingly underdeveloped tourist scene and structures. Again, it took me a while for this to sink in as I'm I am so used to visiting other countries in Asia like Bangkok, Singapore, Hong Kong, Shanghai, and the like, which are very much on the tourist circuit. And everyone from the hotels, taxi drivers, tour operators, and even in stores are used to and, ready, used to and, and kind of ready for tourists. But Taipei is less so. I mean, it's not that people are unwelcoming at all. Uh, it's, it's just that not many people come on holiday here, I guess. But certainly not Western tourists, although there seems to be a more steady Japanese tourist trade, which links back to time that ran from the 1870s to just after the Second World War, when Japan controlled Taiwan. You know, As an aside, having been educated in a more European-based history and the First and Second World, World, World Wars related to the European battlefields, I've only rarely come to realize in the last few years, as I've been traveling through more of Asia, just how far Japanese influence and territory extended prior to the Second World War. But anyway, there they did seem to be very few Western visitors in Taipei, and I think they were all probably huddled in business meetings and confined to the Taipei 101 and surrounding area, as this was about the only part of the city I think I saw many Westerners. I also suspect that These are business-only visitors who probably only saw the ride from the airport to the hotel and meeting room and a few business dinners at carefully chosen restaurants. Further clues to the fact that Taiwan was not really on the tourist circuit were there before I had arrived. When I had been researching visiting online, I did not really find any good sources of tourist information. I had been looking for tours, as often when going to a new place I like to and actually recommend to others. Um, those of you who listen to my podcast will know this, to go on kind of one of those bus tours where a taped or a, a real guy takes you around all the major attractions and sites in a few hours and helps you grasp the layout of the city and decide where you want to invest the time you have best. But I did not really find anything for Taipei. At the time I found that very strange, almost baffling, and I just kind of assumed I was doing something wrong almost. So I posted on a on one of the sites I use called Travbuddy.com, T-R-A-V-B-U-D-D-Y dot com, where travellers post reviews and such and you can ask for help. By the way, if you want to find me there, you can find me at Travbuddy.com slash Tips for Travellers, where tips for travellers is all one word and travellers, of course, with two L's. That's TravBuddy.com. But anyway, I posted on TravBuddy.com and I, I asked and eventually got only one reply from someone who lived in Taiwan saying, actually, there's not a lot to do as a tourist. They listed four places to visit the National Palace Museum, Taipei 101, the Lungshan Temple and Shilin uh, Night Market and basically said, there's not a lot to do, but you'll love the city and they were pleased that I was coming. So with that in mind, let's look at my tips for travellers visiting Taipei in Taiwan because despite what I said, there still are 10 tips and there's still things that are really interesting to do. The first tip I have on visiting Taiwan is visit Taiwan as part of a broader Far East trip. Although this may not be the most popular tip with Taiwanese people, I would recommend that if you want to visit Taiwan as a tourist that you include it as part of a broader visit to the Far East. As you'll actually see or hear from my next tip about getting to uh, Taiwan, you'll find it's probably easier to get there via another city like Hong Kong, so actually doing it as a dual city visit to the Far East is actually easy and pretty cost-effective. Now the reason that I say Visit to Taiwan and Taipei as part of a broader trip is while there's enough to do, it's not really geared up as a major tourist destination, and so there's not a long list of options for a tourist to tap into now. If you know people in Taipei or Taiwan, then this is quite different um, After I'd done my business and and kind of exploring myself, some local colleagues actually took me out and I discovered a whole whole new site to Taiwan with some Great restaurants, some interesting shopping, roadside cafes, food concepts that I was never able to find by looking online, in the limited guides I'd come across, or even by asking at the hotel. Amazingly, I think a great combination trip would be Hong Kong for a few days and Taipei for a few days, as you can get and see and experience a lot of Hong Kong over a few days to a week, as my Hong Kong podcast will tell you. Um, So. Take me I want to take a listen to my Hong Kong podcast to remind yourselves or if you haven't heard it, listen to it the first time, but then it's only an hour and an hour and a bit um hop on a plane um from Hong Kong to Taipei. so that's my first tip is visiting Taiwan as part of a, a broader far eastern trip. My second tip, which is linked to that, and I've kind of alluded to that is getting there, but also getting around once you're there now, it's not as easy to get to Taiwan on a direct flight. As many of the more popular tourist countries in Asia are. Although EVA Air, EVA, EVA Air, which is the main carrier base out of Taipei, do seem to be expanding quite fast and offering more direct routes. But there are, for example, no direct flights to and from mainland China because China does not recognize Taiwan, so it does not allow any flights to land directly from the island. So as a result um hong kong seems to actually be almost the major hub for getting to taipei it feels like almost like more of a hub for taipei than taipei itself now cathay pacific the hong kong based airline for example has flights that seem to be going almost every hour to taipei and they they're always very busy and and cathay pacific has a huge route network that flies into hong kong i think there's about 150 or something cities around the world and so that seems to be the next best alternative if eva doesn't fly directly from the city you're travelling in and actually in my view Cathay also has much better seats and much better service and so you may want to think about using Cathay anyway and and linking in via Hong Kong which I think be a great it's a great combination now the airport in Taipei is quite a long way out of town and although there is an airport in town but this is this is only for domestic flights now the traffic getting to and from the airport which is the Chiang Kai-shek International Airport Is slow. Now it's not because the roads aren't good, because the roads are fantastic, but it's just there's piles and piles of traffic, it's very busy. So you need well, well over an hour or more to get from sort of the center of Taipei to the airport. The thing that did strike me as I was coming in from the airport was just how incredibly lush and green and tightly packed the hills and the mountains, of which there were lots were just packed with these trees and vegetation. I don't think I'd ever, ever seen such lush and tightly compacted trees. It it just showed to me straight away just how tropical the weather is in Taipei. Now with a population of close to 23 million and large parts of the island being mountains and being so lush, you know, the cities like Taipei are very busy. So the one thing that Taipei does have in common with most other major cities, and particularly most major cities in in, in Asia is pretty bad traffic. Um, which probably also accounts for the hordes and hordes of scooters that you see on the the streets. There were just loads and loads of them. Now, the streets are designed to be very scooter-friendly. There's special stopping space at the front of queues on traffic lights and things like that, for example. But the other thing is also the city has loads and loads of taxis. They're very easy to find and very inexpensive. Now, this may be a hangover from the pre-subway transit system, which is still pretty new to the city, called Metro Taipei. Um, It's very good apparently, it's very modern because it's new, but I didn't use it so I can't comment on it, so I don't know how easy it is to use. Uh, Because I use taxis because they were so easy to find and they were so cheap. But what's very important, very important, is um, unlike other countries, other cities um, which is more popular with tourists in Asia, it's quite common to find that the taxi drivers do not speak or read any English. And so make sure you you get a local um, Taiwanese Person or the hotel staff to write down the name in Mandarin of where you want to go. And also have a card with a hotel address in local language to get back, otherwise, you'll struggle. My third tip is about the best time to visit. And this is also very important, particularly if you're going as a tourist, because Taiwan has a tropical monsoon climate. And so, more rain falls in the period from about May to September. Um, although it rains most of the year in some form or fashion. But very heavy rains can fall from July to September, which is caused by the typhoons coming off the South China Sea as they move kind of up northwards to Japan. It can be a lot of wind and a lot of rain. So it's not a great time to go if you're a tourist. The rest of the time of the year, it's quite warm, but it's also quite humid. But locals um, that I spoke to say October to to december is the best time to visit it's nice weather it's very comfortable and pleasant that this is the time of year that i was there and so the temperature ranges from around about 19 degrees celsius to about the mid 20 celsius very nice very pleasant very it's not too hot and it's just um, very nice taiwan does have more than its fair share of typhoons and it also has it's more than its fair share of earthquakes so the tip is to try and not visit when they're happening now Obviously, you can't really predict earthquakes, so you can't really plan for that. It's not really a tip and a warning, I guess. But, you know, the island has a a fair bit of earthquakes, um, but they are very well prepared, so they don't seem to really phase anybody. Now, although I did not find it much of an issue, um, and especially compared to places like Shanghai, people do complain or, or say that pollution levels in Taipei are quite high due to the industry and heavy traffic. So hotter months if you are affected by pollution probably should be avoided Um, but I didn't really find it as much of a problem. My fourth tip which is really still building on this tip about getting around is you know because there's not a lot of tours just get out and explore using taxis you know there's not a lot of particularly good routine trips you can tap into Um, you can kind of and I found a lot of places online fairly easy you can get someone to set one up kind of a personalized trip so you'll find that fairly easily um if you do want to really find um a, a tour company, the, the the best appears to be a company called Taiwan Tour Bus and you can find them at TaiwanTourBus.com.tw dot com dot TW. So that's Taiwan Tourbus, which is all one word dot com dot TW and I'll put a link in the show notes, because they have an English site um, with a slightly longer URL. But if you go to towontourbus.com.tw, you'll find a link to the English site there. They do have half-day and full-day tours. But what I actually found when I looked at the tour is I actually decided to just try and do it myself. So I looked at the map, the Hotel Supply, which is a pretty good map, which they seem to, all the hotels seem to have. And then just got a taxi to take me to a couple of the areas and just strolled about. I made sure the hotel had written the destination in Mandarin. I checked with the hotel, it was okay, you know, so it was safe enough, etc. And it was very easy to find taxis back. The city is very busy, it's very easy. And I felt I also got to see a good flavor of the city. I saw a lot by just being in the taxi. I mean, even though the traffic can be quite bad at Rush Island and stuff, it was pretty nifty, the taxi drivers can get around. Um... Also in exploring, I found a couple of interesting things. So, for example, um, I, I found an absolute must-do restaurant, which is called Din Tai Fung, D I N T A I F U N G, and you can find that at din tai fong one word dot com dot tw. Now, people queue outside this place waiting for their food to be ready, and once it's ready, they get whisked into their table. It's a dumpling store that started in, in Taipei and it's now expanding across China. It was created by a chap called Yang Jihuao and he's created an incredible system that makes the most perfect dumplings. You've got to go there. It was the most incredible food and this is really something that, that I found just by kind of ambling around. But apparently it's famous and there's all sorts of news articles and stuff about him and I found that afterwards that he was very famous. And another feature of Taiwan is the many 24-hour convenience stores that are worth just visiting in your explorations. They're more than just the 7-Eleven stores we're probably more familiar with. They have all sorts of services, um, paying fines, bills, internet connections, all sorts of stuff. All sorts of really interesting services and things. And they become almost centres for the community, and that's worth doing. My fifth tip is coming back to the Taipei 101. I've mentioned a couple of times and I've said I think it's worth a visit alone. It's 101 stories high, hence the name I guess. It's a very distinctive design and um, it links to different shapes and numbers and other aspects of the culture. It looks almost like a mass of bamboo. It's just stunning at night. Um, And you know they've kind of um, the claim in the official splab that Taipei 101, and Taipei is an acronym for T for technology, A for art, I for innovation, P for people, E for environment, and I for identity. Which seems strange. It's clearly Taipei, the name of the city. But anyway, it's it's just absolutely stunning. Now I had uh, room at the Hyatt, which is just next door, with a view of the tower, and I just kept staring at it because it looks fantastic at night. They have different lighting schemes um, depending on the day of the week. I mean. And underneath it is a massive, and it's a really huge mall. It has lots of the usual designer stops, shops, Louis Vuitton, and all that sort of stuff. But they have a couple of neat showcase stores, like for Sony. It has an amazing food court area, and it, instead of just like the usual mall food courts, it has great restaurants. So my favorite was called Wasabi, W A S A B I. It's a Japanese restaurant with a buffet. Now this is something I found was very popular as a concept in Taiwan. These kind of Japanese buffet restaurants, and I guess it's kind of a a different take on the Japanese conveyor belt restaurant style that I was more used to. There's lots of different stations and you get to help yourself to the most amazing Japanese food including sushi and and sashimi. Huge choice of sake, I mean they came with this huge menu just full of sake and I had no idea where to even start, Um, but it was fantastic. Now when you enter Wasabi, um, someone shows you to your table and as they are showing you to your table they shout out in Japanese greeting and all the staff shout a oh, oh, welcome back and then um, as you leave they do the same thing and it's very reasonably priced it's really really good it's wasabi and it's fantastic now the Taipei the, at, at 1.0 is just generally very well organized and they have a beautifully designed visitor center, you buy tickets to go to the top um, very organized, you, you, you suddenly find yourself very quickly it, the queue just go, disappears and you're Find yourself in the Guinness Book of Records, confirmed fastest lift in the world. It takes about, I don't know, something like 30 seconds to get to the top. It's incredibly smooth. The only thing you feel is your ears popping. There's a screen that shows your progress. It's just unbelievable how fast this this lift or elevator um, goes. Now I put a video of that on YouTube, and I'll put it also in my show notes. Um, now, if you want to find all the videos I do for my my hotel rooms, I take videos of every hotel room I'm in and all sorts of other things. You can find them. If you go to YouTube at youtube.com/slash/tips-for-travelers, um, again, tips for travelers written all one, one word, and travelers spelled the UK way with two L. So that's youtube.com/slash/tips-for-travelers. Got loads and loads and loads of videos of every hotel room and stuff, and all sorts of other bits and pieces. Now the view at the top um, of Taipei 101 is just unbelievable. It, you can see for miles if it's clear. I liked it so much. I did it both at day and at night, and they were both both worth it. Around Taipei 101 is a great place to stay. There's lots of other good shopping areas, like a shopping centre called New York, New York, with its own, actually, pretty large Statue of Liberty outside. the cinemas and all that sort of stuff. It's also very, very near the Chiang Kai-shek Memorial Hall, which is my sixth tip, which is exactly that, to visit the Chiang Kai-shek Memorial Hall. I love this hall and the whole area around the hall. It's set in a park and it's got a little lake with a walkway and a small pagoda house that you can go and sit in. Now the hall itself has a Chinese style designed gold roof and it's just breathtaking. It's It was built five years after um, Chiang Kai-shek's death and inside is a massive bronze statue of him. And if you remember he was the guy who led the KMT when they fled from the communist forces in the civil war and set up in Taiwan. And the statue is a bit like in the style of the Lincoln Memorial in Washington D.C., and these two immaculate guards with these shiny metal kind of helmets stand facing each other, in in a very beautiful ceremonial dress. Um, uh, there's an exhibition center, kind of museum. Now, in, in the on the weekends, there's fairs and events in the park, and it's a lovely garden to walk in. And the National Concert Hall and the National Theatre are in the in the same same kind of area. My seventh tip is to visit the Martyr Shrine. Now, the National Revolutionary Martyr Shrine is dedicated to the people who kind of fought in the fight for the Republic of China. And they're modelled after uh, kind of Ming Dynasty palaces. And specifically, it's supposed to be modelled on the Hall of Supreme Harmony of the Forbidden City in Beijing. Um, It was built in 1969. It overlooks out onto the Keelung River, which is a river that goes through Taipei, and um the change of the guard is really worth looking at. They have two military police officers standing guard at the gate on Bayan Road and two guard the main shrine and they change every every hour. It's quite an elaborate process. They're supposed to stand absolutely still in between, and uh, it's it's really it's really worth visiting. That's the Martyrs' shrine, or the, to give it its full name, the National Revolutionary Martyrs Shrine. Tip number eight, which is very much a must-see, is the National Palace Museum. Now the National Palace Museum Um, claims to have the world's largest and most impressive collection of Chinese art and artefacts going back like 7,000 years. They've got 650,000 items, calligraphy, paintings, jade, bronze, silk, curia pieces. And there's so much in the collection that only a very small percentage, maybe 10%, is displayed at any one time. Now, what's also interesting about this collection is it was taken from the Forbidden City in Beijing in 1949 when the KMT fled China. They took this huge collection. Now, there's piles of it to see, even though there's only a small percentage. So you need to decide if you're kind of a museum person or not. I'm not a big museum person. I like going to museums, but I kind of go in, look at some stuff, get a good flavour for stuff, but I I can't spend day, you know, a whole day there. And you could spend days there, I suppose, if you were very into it. Tip number nine is to visit the Prudential... The pre, the Presidential Office Building. Now, this is like a Renaissance style building, and it was the seat of government in Taiwan for almost a century now. It was the office of the Governor General's office during the Japanese colonial period. Then after 1949, it became Taiwan's kind of White House, its its kind of presidential um, center. Lots of festivals are always hosted there, all the national festivals are hosted there. And I was there during the Moon Festival, which is a big deal. So I didn't get to see anything more, really, than the the building other than the outside of it and all the seating and barriers and all that sort of stuff. But it is a pretty impressive building. It stands right in the middle of one of the big main roads, I guess, to make it stand out. My tenth and final tip is to go to a night market now. I'm not a big fan of night markets, but always end up going, especially when in Asia, because everyone raves about them, and I feel like I, I must go or I'm missing out on something, but I keep saying I'll never go again. Now, the one to go to and the biggest and most popular is the Shilling Night Market, S-H-I-L-I-N, Shilling Night Market. It sells everything, absolutely everything, with, of course, lots of food. I also went to another night market, which is within walking distance of Taipei 101, which is called the Tunghua Night Market, T-U-N-G-H-W-A Night Market. Now, this is this was definitely not my idea of fun. It's, it's mostly a food market, very strong smells. It's very popular. Um, and it's very crammed, It's it's kind of, it, it's in one narrow street, and it's very hard to get through. And it's just it was just, phew, I thought it was crazy. I didn't like it at all. Um, but what I did find is some colleagues who used to live in Taiwan and are now walk, working in other countries had kind of made a beeline for it. They'd arrived at the airport, gone to the hotel, dumped their bags, and gone there to eat the food. So I guess I probably was the one that's in you know, a minority. So. Having said that Taiwan's not that geared for tourists, there is stuff to do, you know, but I still recommend, step number one, visit Taiwan as part of a broader trip, probably tying with Hong Kong, so take a listen to my Hong Kong podcast. Secondly, getting there, you're probably going to have to go via somewhere else, like Hong Kong Sound Cathay or something. Once you're there, taxis, 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 but remember to get um, the destination and your hotel written in local in Mandarin. Pick the time to visit because um, from... Particularly from July to September, there's a lot of rain, so try and avoid that. My recommendation is because there's not a lot of, of routine trips, is just get out and explore using taxis. You know, there's not a lot of places to go that are on the tourist circuit, so you can't really go that wrong, and taxis are very easy to find. Spend time at uh, Taipei 101, it is stunning. Spend time walking around it, exploring it, going up at eating at Wasabi, restaurant, that kind of stuff. Um, visit the Ka- Chang Kai-shek Memorial Hall, which is quite near Taipei One Hundred and One, it's really, really beautiful and really worth visiting. With a lovely park, visit the Martyrs' Shrine. Make sure that you see the changing of the guard. The National Palace Museum, with the six hundred and fifty thousand items, only ten percent on display. That's well worth seeing if you are a museum um, fan. Go and take a look at the Presidential Office Building. If you were going to do if all the tips I've got so far, if you're going to drop one. That's one to drop. And then go to the night market. And I hope that those tips help you enjoy taiwan you've been listening to tips for travelers the global travel destination podcast with gary Benbridge. to find out more visit the tips for travelers website at tipsfortravelers.com that's all one word and spelt the uk way with two l's that's tipsfortravelers.com or mytravelreviews.com there you'll find contact details links and much much more If you want to subscribe to the podcast, search on iTunes or Yahoo! Podcasts for Tips for Travellers.